Well, hello again, church. Y'all can talk to me. It's okay. I know it's like that moment. I know that you get that, that Holy Spirit paralysis a little bit. It's not a slain in the spirit kind of thing. It's just when the Holy Spirit's moving, you're like, I don't know what to do because I don't want to squelch it or move it. And that's kind of where we are. But I do, there, there's a word that God has put on my heart that I want us to lean into. So grab your Bibles, go to Acts chapter six. I invite you to join me once again in the book of Acts as we have been walking through this 2022 edition of a series that we do every single year. That is just two words, live love. Because those two words embody the mission of our church and what we deeply believe is the mission that Jesus gave his first followers that they're supposed to be in the world, that we are called to go and make disciples. Amen? That's why the church exists. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to give you something to do on Sundays. We're not here so that for an hour you can put your kids in V-Kids and just take a nap. Some of y'all do that. It's okay. I I can see. But... We're here to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. And there's no better group to learn from about how to do that than the people who did it first. Because as this movement that Jesus started in its infancy, we get a window into its history. And it's the book of Acts. And we've been walking through the book of Acts because that's really what spawned this church in my heart because I read it years ago and I've been in church my entire life. My dad pastored for 40 years. So I, I had that drug problem that some of y'all had. You was drugged to church every single time it was open. And like that, I went to all of it. And, and although my church experience was something that really was good and bad and I wouldn't trade it, and I'm glad I grew up in the church, there were parts of that experience that didn't compute with what I saw in the book of Acts. Anybody else kind of have that experience? You're like, why is there, why is there things that, that our church, the church that we grew up in, were so angry about and fought for and formed a committee to figure out that weren't necessarily things in Scripture? There was this beautiful body of Christ that was committed to one another in such a powerful way. And, man, when we have moments like we just had, I feel like there's just glimpses of it where, man, there are people just praying for each other. You may not even, I'm, this morning as we all three of our gatherings, there are people with hands on each other praying for each other. They don't even know each other's name yet. But it doesn't matter because no matter where we're from or how different we might be, look at me, we are bonded by the blood of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we don't have anything else in common, that's enough for us to love one another. Come on. It's enough for us to love one another. And in the book of Acts, you, it's, it's this beauty that you see, this unity, this generosity, this lordship, this ownership, all these things that we've been talking about over the last five weeks that make it special. And in the book of Acts, chapter 6, once again, we see the church have another pivotal moment. They have pivotal moments from the beginning that if they, if they don't make the right decision, if they don't have the courage to do the hard things, then this movement is going to, to stall out. It's going to go through difficult things. But empowered by the Spirit and with the wisdom of God, they navigate those things in such a way that they overcome those obstacles. Like when the, the Sanhedrin said, look, do good, leave Jesus out. And they said, no, we got to obey God, not you. That Jesus is, is how we're doing this. It's in him, through him, for him, because we're just people. There's moments all along the way where they have to make these hard choices, these hard decisions, these these big obstacles have to be overcome in order for the church to keep moving. It's true then, it's true now. That we will constantly, as a church, whether it be our church or the church, have things that culture brings into our sphere that we have to navigate well in order to continue not just to be the church that we want, but the church that Jesus intended us to be. 
This, isn't, this will never be the church that I want it to be. It doesn't need to be the church that you want it to be. We want to be the church that Jesus desires us to be in the time in which we've been placed. Come on. To represent him well and reflect who he is in all things. And in Acts chapter 6, there's another one of these pivotal moments that I want to leverage, to convict us and remind us about what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. It's Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Grab your Bible if you would, open it up. I don't encourage you to go to the notes app of, or the notes part of the vintage app because I am not following what's in that thing right now. I'm going as the Spirit leads, okay? <laughs> okay. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says by this point, five chapters in, just weeks into this movement, that this thing's really growing And now they once again have an issue at hand. It says, in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint among the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole company, and they chose Stephen and Philip and all these other men to be a part of this team. And then verse 6, it says, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on him. And now if you're just speeding through the book of Acts, you can read this and think this is not that big a deal, but this is a big deal. And there's several things that I want us to notice about what's happening here. Number one, it says that there are a group of people among them that are falling through the cracks and they can't fall through the cracks. It says there's a group of widows that that are needing to be taken care of and they're not. And the church has always, number one, always been responsible for meeting the needs of the people in its community. I know you've heard me say it a thousand times, but the church for far too many years has looked to the government to do things that the church is supposed to be doing. That it is our job to care for people. If poverty will ever be eliminated in our world, it will be because the people who claim Jesus actually live in love like him. He says, we got to take, and, and one of the reasons why they took care of widows and they took care of orphans and they took care of these type of people is because they remembered what Jesus said about caring for those who cannot care for themselves. I hear people say all the time, well, you know, the Bible says God takes care of those who take care of themselves. No, it doesn't. Matter of fact, I believe scripture probably says the exact opposite, that the Bible says God takes care of those who can't take care of themselves. While we were still powerless and sinners, he came. That God has called us to do for people what they can't do for themselves. To care for those who were in need. There are people in our community who need us. And I'm so grateful for our church. And guys, we live in a time, look at me, we get more benevolence requests in a week now than we used to get in a month two years ago. Because they're the need that is growing among our community for people who are struggling to make ends meet, to keep food on their table, to take care of their kids. I know I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. Come on. It's difficult. It's hard. And it's our job 
to care for those. And yes, we need to reach out in our community, but we can't reach over the needs in our own church at the same time. We have a responsibility to meet needs that are among us. Y'all with me? Say amen. Like it's our job. Church, you'll never know how many power bills you've paid, how many packs of diapers you've bought for people, how often because of your generosity, Run 5, Feed 5 has sent a thing of food for a kid who would not eat on a weekend if it wasn't for our willingness to partner with them. But the need is becoming so great here in the New Testament church that it is beyond what the apostles can carry themselves. And this is a pivotal moment where they look to the church and say, listen, the the responsibility of the ministry of the church, what we need to do in order to continue to be what God wants us to be, it's going to require more people standing up and saying yes and partnering with us and advancing the mission of the gospel. Look at me. God has always intended his church to be a partnership among his people. Do you understand what I mean by that? That this has never been about a single person doing all the work. See, my dad pastored for 40 years. And whenever he would challenge people to step up and help, you know what they say? What do we pay you to do? He's going to get a little uncomfortable a couple times a day, okay? Now, they, they said, you know what? We, we're only 12 people. And we cannot take care of this need. It's too great. And there are some specific things that we are trained and that we need to do. And if we get so consumed by doing these other things, we can't do these things. And then this whole thing is going to go sideways. And so he said, we can't neglect the ministry of the gospel for what, to wait on tables. Now, listen at me. Look at me. This was not because waiting tables was beneath them. If, if serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. There is no, to me, I'm glad I get to preach from this platform, but if God needs me to clean a toilet, I hope I have the humility and willingness to do it. There is, there is no position in service to God that is somehow greater than another. That's why we always think, oh, well, the preacher does this. and No, we're all, I'm not called, people say, oh, you're called to preach. I'm, can I let you in a little secret? I'm talking really fast. I ain't got a whole lot of time because y'all prayed too long, so we got to get... Yeah. People, I say, well, you called to preach. No, I'm not. I'm called to serve God. Preaching is how I do it, and I love it, but I'm called to serve God, and so are you. Oh, you're called to sing. No, you're not. You're called to serve God. You're called to serve students or kids. No, you're not. You're called to serve God. Don't mistake your platform for your purpose. And any platform is a purpose for God if your heart and your mind is in the right place, and it's more about him than you. He says, no, like if we're going to be a part of the body of Christ, we got to raise up new people. And the ministry of God's church is the responsibility of, of everybody in it. All of us are called. Look at me. You're called. Really? You're called. Can I tell you something? I deeply believe you're, you're just as called as I am. You just do it in a different place. You just do it in a different way. And you know what's sad? So many Christians, so many followers of Jesus, you get so consumed with making a living, you forget to make a difference. 
we get so consumed with making a living that we forget to make a difference. And I get it. We got to make a living. Mortgage comes due every month. Ain't that crazy? The bank wants their car payment every single 30 day, every other 30 days. Yeah, it's crazy. For the water to keep coming out of the sink, you got to pay the bill. And kids, oh my Lord. It's crazy. Like they need new clothes all the time. And, and if you got a daughter, Lord help you. I love you. But we can get so consumed with making a living, we forget that we're put on this planet to make a difference. You were created by an eternal God, and you were formed on purpose and with a purpose to serve him and to do something with your life more than just fill your bank account. You were called to serve. You're called to live in partnership with the body. And I deeply believe that the church is a place that we serve. That this is more than a place we sit. It's a people we serve. But it seems like, especially on the other side of COVID, more people want to sit and serve. We've always fought in the church this tension of consuming and contributing. And look at me. It's both. Church is a place that you should consume. You consume the word of God. You consume care. Like you consume, you sit in this room and, and you feast on his word and you hear teaching and you, like it, it is a place you consume. But if all you ever do is consume and never contribute, you're missing out on half of what God designed the church to be. Is it a place for you to be served and is it a place for you to serve? And sometimes we get so, con we think we're just gonna sit and not serve. And we get more consumed with our seat than our service. And there was a moment that Jesus had with the disciples when two guys were more consumed with their seat than serving, and Jesus checked them on it. Go there with me. It's, it's Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him, Jesus, and said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Can you believe that? Hey, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Can you imagine? And Jesus says, oh, what, do you, what do you want me to do for you? This is where I wish we could read sarcasm into the scripture. Verse 37 says, they answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in glory. Jesus said to them, do you, do you know what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Uh, we are, they told him. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Then the 10 disciples heard this, and they began to be indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them over to him and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But listen, verse 43, but it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, guys, 
You need to be more concerned about your service than your seats. You need to be more concerned about your service than your seats. Your minds are in the wrong place because if all you're worried about is where you're going to sit and not who you're going to serve, you've missed everything I've been trying to teach you. And that's why as we're going to be a part of the body, we have to realize, yeah, we're, we're built to belong, but we're also created to contribute. You were created to contribute. Did you know that God formed you with a purpose. He prepared you what he has prepared you for what he has prepared you for. When he was craft, look at me, when he was crafting you in his mind and his heart before you in your mama's womb, he knew what he wanted you to do for him. And he put things in you. He put abilities and passions, gifts designed for you to make the dent in his kingdom with the one life that you've been given. And my question is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the one life that God has given you that's more than just about you? It's for his glory. What are you doing with the gifts that he's put in your spirit? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. He's put things in you for his glory, to be used for his kingdom, to make him known, not make you famous. He's put things in you. And believe it or not, the church and being a part of the church is about finding a place that helps you discover that and deploy that stuff for his glory. I've had seasons in the past of this, as a pastor of this church that I feel super guilty for all the expectations that we have for volunteers because it's a lot. It's a lot. There's people, to, to make our church happen week in, week out, not just Sundays, but all, it takes so many people doing so much, giving so many hours of, and time and energy. Like today, man, our worship team, our production teams, they were here long before you hit snooze four times serving, and I'm so grateful, but I'm also reminded that God said it would be this way, that this is a partnership between pastors and people, between leaders in the church and those who call it as their own. Look at again in Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into the maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Did you see that? It said that God has appointed specific people to help equip us all to make a difference in the community in which we live so that the church can be the city on the hill shining bright in the community in which it does. And the more people who light their torch, the brighter it will be calling all people to Jesus. That when we all say yes to the calling of God on our lives, the more yeses, the more we accomplish together together. We live in a time, and I think we're headed to a time where it's going to be even greater, the burden that we're going to have to try to meet in the community and the time in which God has put us. 
there's so much need around you. I had the time to unpack some of the conversations that I've had with people in the last two weeks. Families walking through suicide of a family member. People going through people going through stuff that's so heavy. And sometimes I feel all alone with that. And it feels like it's gonna crush me. Then I'm reminded I'm not alone. That there are so many people that are holding up the burden of this church with me and are gonna carry it forward into the future. And it seems like it's only growing more and more and more. And if more people don't decide to do more than consume, to also contribute, to do more than fight for their seat, but to find who they're supposed to serve, if people don't say yes, then more and more people are gonna fall through the cracks. People that Jesus died for, people that Jesus loves, people that need his church to be the church. In a few weeks, we're gonna do something we do every year, our Thanksgiving meal initiative. And some people think we're just taking turkeys to people. And oh my gosh. See, when we first started this church, I was used to what churches did for Thanksgiving was you, you invited people to your fellowship hall and people came in from the community. Well, number one, we didn't have a building, but also we kind of believe, why do we always expect people to come to us when we should be going to them? And so we found eight families who, if we didn't intervene, they wouldn't be able to have a Thanksgiving meal around their table. And we went and we bought the turkeys and the pies and all the fixings and that kind of stuff. And me and Jason Austin and Casey Harris delivered them in the trunk of a car in about 30 minutes. And we just went into their homes and said, hey, we heard that maybe things were tough. And if somebody didn't intervene, that you wouldn't be able to gather around your own. And there's something, there's something dignifying about being able to gather around your own table and have a meal with your own family in your own home. <laughs> and we prayed with people and we had conversations. We delivered eight meals. Last year, we delivered, what, 400? All across, like, three counties. And hundreds of volunteers left this place of people that said, yes. That the burden of meeting the needs of our community is not something reserved to the pastor. It's all of our responsibility. And I know that when we say yes and we answer that call, it's hard and it's taxing and it wears on us. But can I remind you what it says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine and 10. Let us not get tired of doing good. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how costly, let us not get tired of doing good. Yes, we need to find the right rhythm of rest and we need to take care of ourselves and do the things to avoid burnout, but we cannot stop serving people. Look at me, believer. It's never gonna be the right time. I'll serve when my kids get. No, you won't. When I have, when, 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 when never comes. You gotta wait, quit waiting for the perfect alignment of circumstance. And let me just say too, before you ever should be serving in here, you should be serving in the home because it's the front lines of your ministry. Dads, 
I don't want you serving our church when you won't serve your kids or your wife. Same goes for the ladies. Like we, that, it's funny how I've watched people who are willing to serve the church, but they won't serve in their own home. And first of all, service isn't limited to a place. A servant is who you're supposed to be, not just what you do. Let us not grow tired of doing good for we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You were created to do something, not just to get caught up in making a living, but to actually make a difference to use the one life that God gave you, not for your fame or your benefit, but for his glory. Are you doing it? Did something happen a year ago or two years ago and you needed some time on the sidelines, but you stayed there when God's been pushing you to get back in to the game of giving him glory and you just keep making excuses why you can't and you're missing out on all the things that he wants to do in and through your life. Look at me, there are people who need you. Need what God has put in you to serve them, to give them hope and life. So God, I pray that right now that we would all search our hearts, Lord, that we would examine our lives, what we're doing and what we're not doing. And God, I pray that this would be a time before we exit this room that we really just ask you where you're calling us to serve, to say yes, to move. God, maybe there are people in this room that have been consuming in this church for far too long and they know they need to contribute and now it's time to just spark something in their hearts. Maybe it's people that have been sitting back making all the excuses why they can't serve their family, serve in their neighborhood, serve in ways. God, we're never more like Jesus than when we're selflessly, sacrificially serving other people. We can be reading our Bibles and praying and listening to Christian music and all that stuff, but God, if it's not seen in the fruit of our lives, so often evidence in our willingness to notice other people, we're missing so much. So God, as we worship you for just a moment, help us all, God, to search our hearts as David did in Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, and know me. If there's anything in me that doesn't need to be there, God pointed out. Is there anything that we're not doing that we need to do? Light a fire in us, in Jesus' name.